Okay, welcome everybody. We're here today with Jamie Spado of JR's POS Depot. Hey, Jamie, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Great, and welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. So, um, I was wondering, I mean, you're a little, you know, we have, we, we interview a lot of ISOs and agents and, and so forth. Uh, this is probably the first, I believe, that we've interviewed a, uh, a uh, device uh, company. Yeah, I think so, actually. So, you know, just to sort of set it up for us, if you wouldn't mind, Jamie, maybe a little background on yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, JR's POS Depot, uh, you know, what led to the company and how long it's been business so forth. Yeah, not a problem. Um, I've actually been here since 2006. I started off as a, uh actual technician when uh, we used to do a lot of repairs. Uh-huh. Um, I started actually fixing the boards on some of the older units, uh, like T7Ps and stuff you guys are familiar with from back in the day. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, around that time, I had an a electronic engineering degree, so I was really interested in that. Um, but to be honest, I was a terrible technician. <laughs> so, uh, Self-awareness. There was, a, uh, <laughs> there was a position open in our programming department. Uh, for uh, deployments, so I transferred over to there. Um, I then received a degree in information system security um, for uh, the encryption uh, work that we do. Uh Um, I did that for about five, six years, and then we had an opening in our director of operations position. I uh, took took that job, ran with it, and received my MBA from Florida International University. So what we do is, uh, being an equipment provider, we touch a lot of different pieces uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, merchant services world. Um, so you, if you're a, uh, a processor or a ISO, a small ISO, an agent, I'm sure that at one time or another you've actually dealt with our company. So where we, what, we, uh, what we thrive on is uh, filling in the dots. Agents want to go out and sell accounts, you know what I mean? Sure. They want to board business. Right. Uh, they don't want to have to be hassled with... Uh, setting up equipment, mm-hmm. uh, they don't even want to know what the equipment does or, you know, how to how to get a program properly. Um, so we fill in the dots there to where we team with the ISVs and processors and different ISOs in the country to where they don't have to know any of that stuff. We make it easy on on them. We do a lot of uh, micro websites to where um, if you're using a particular uh, ISV. Uh, you can log on to a website we'll set up for them, uh-huh. and it'll pre-configure all the stuff that they need to enter uh, so they can just get in and out, and their merchant gets the equipment the next day if they ordered overnight, and uh-huh. it sets them up, and they can just go and do what they do and continue selling, So that's which wh- is what they want to do. Right, so that's really the advantage, I guess, then, of a nice or an agent working with a company like yours is they can do the selling and you take care of the technology? Correct. So if you team with a certain ISV and some of the uh, – where we where we really thrive is the multi-lane environment because, uh-huh. um, as you know, they get pretty complicated with uh, you know, all the different loads that you can load in, with all the different uh, keys you have to inject. So we work with uh, like the ISVs and software providers to make, make it easy to, to order. So you just got to know who you're using. Okay, we fill, all the, fill in all the dots. Uh-huh. And where we really also thrive is uh, we have a overnight replacement uh, warranty. Um, oh, you yeah. add on an overnight replacement warranty because uh, if you're if you're an agent and your end user's down, they're literally losing money. Right. Yep. That's money that they they can't accept on that lane, or maybe they only have one lane and they right. can't accept payments. 
Right. So we offer an overnight replacement warranty. They just call us and say, hey, this is down. Okay, you purchase overnight replacement. We get it out to them, pre-configured, uh, back to them the next day. We even go as far as configuring the COM port selection that they want to do. So if they're using uh, you know, IP and they want it on a certain IP address, we'll even go as far as programming it that way. So we get it as uh, out of the box ready as possible. So what about like, you know, and I'm, I'm a little bit new to your company, what you guys do, but like what about more complex point of sale, you know, system installation, you know, like inven- you know, uh, loading an inventory or creating a menu? Like do you guys play in that space as well? Yes, we do. We have a, uh, we have a chosen um, software we use for that called Hyopause Plus, sure. uh, Hyopause Cloud, I'm sorry. Um, we, we do the uh, installations. We do um, the setup on setting up the inventory, setting up the time clock management, because a lot of the newer systems are, are very complex, and they have a lot of different options with modifiers and time clock management, and it gets pretty complex. So we'll go through and uh, we'll team with the ISO. We preferably try to work with ISOs on that. Some sure. ISOs are really tricky about us coming in the middle of them and their end user, but you know how it goes. We'll help them set up the, the, the menu. We'll set up the ev- everything that they're going to need. So when they go in and bring it, or if they even have somebody else go and bring it and install it, that it's ready to go, they're trained, and we offer 24-7 support on that, 365. Now, you mentioned um, you mentioned Hyapos there, which I, you know, back in the day actually sold those Hyapos uh POS units, but just you know, uh, just oh, wow. to just to clarify though, we're talking about you know you do like a lot of different POS systems, and that just happens to be the solution that you use to to bring in to like import the uh, the uh, inventory and deal with it that way. Uh, we can give us time, and we can learn pretty much any system. I have a good trained staff huh. on hand that, that is very knowledgeable at, okay. at learning uh, different things. It just there's no challenge that we're not up for. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, so tell me, Jamie, what you know in terms of demand? Are you seeing more demand for some of these POS systems? Is it more uh, specific types of terminals? Like you know, and we hear a lot about mobile. Are there any particular um, verticals where you see particular you know uh, devices more popular than others? To be you know candid, the the days of countertop terminals where you're going to be using a uh, VX520 are right. kind of done. Yeah, sure. People want a solution. Yeah. You want a software solution that's going to do everything that you need to do all in one. It handles your your ordering. It handles your your <laughs> your kitchen printing. It handles your your server uh, reconciliation. Everything. You mm-hmm. want something that does right. everything. Right. So that's where majority of the market is going. Okay. Um, point of sale um, for for agents that has the biggest bang for their buck. When, once you install a point of sale system in in a in a restaurant or in a retail right. environment, if you do it correctly, you're cemented. It is the, the, <laughs> yes, the cost of the switching cost for the for the end user is going to be a lot more, and sure. they're not going to want to switch because they have a system that does everything. That does everything for them, of course. Right, right. Exactly. So that's really where things seem to be moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also like the mobile space. There are a couple nice mobile units out there because you're still going to have delivery drivers. Right. You're still going to have people that work mobily. You're still going to have the carpenter that wants to accept payments while he's, you know, fixing somebody's deck sure. or something. You know right. What I mean? Right. So I do like mobile. Um, I do like mobile units versus an add-on to like a cell phone. I feel that that looks a little bit more professional in my opinion. Yeah. Sure. Um, and. The major manufacturers do have a couple nice solutions for that. Mm-hmm. So I do like mobile. Uh, that's really where uh, I like to play in because I'm a I'm a 
I'm a tech. If you ask anybody, I love technology and I love mobile technology because that's where I think everything's moving. Yeah. Yeah, of course. What about contactless? I mean, we hear a lot about contactless payments, and you know, uh, but uptake seems to have been slow. And my understanding is that while many of the EMV uh, cards can support contactless, most EMV compliant terminals can't. Can you talk about what needs to be done from a device standpoint to support contactless, either card-based or mobile wallets? Yeah, um, I do love mobile wallets. Those are always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, they really, the end users need to talk to their software providers. Okay. The hardware itself is ready to accept the, the contactless. Right. It's, it's built but it needs in. to be programmed, right? It needs to be programmed, mm-hmm. and that's where... That's where we can also help. Um, we do do a lot of um, development work with mm-hmm. a lot of different um, ISVs or, or processors to help them get set up for, you know, Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, and we'll help them do a lot of the different testing that, that they need to have done, too. The units themselves are ready for it. Um, so we always s- try to Go offer ahead. The, the, the unit types that we offer always try to be, you know, the highest highest level that we can offer. We don't like to... Like when you go buy a car, you want you want to have the one fully loaded versus the stripped down model. Right, right. Although the first car I ever bought was totally stripped down. I don't even think it had an ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> and this was I back think in every, the day. Everybody's is though. Yeah, right, right, sure. right. I was like, hey, I got a brand new car. It's uh, you know, it was a Datsun B210. I'm really dating myself there, but it looked shiny out on the outside at least, right? So um, well, what, <laughs> about, what about demand for these software upgrades? I mean, I've, I've heard that all over the place. Uh, you know, Visa likes to say, oh, 80% of the merchants buy, you know, large merchants buy transactions. I think that was a, a stat I saw, you know, can, you know, are, are equipped to handle contactless payments. And I'm not exactly. It's, it's really, it's really end user driven. Yeah, that's so what I was saying. So if you're a merchant that wants to accept it, you really and and your current setup doesn't support it, you really have to be on your software provider to say, "Hey, I really want this. Mm-hmm. I'm turning away business that I could be accepting." Right. Um So are you seeing that's really are you where se- it gets driven by? Yeah, and are you seeing that happening more and more or is it still pretty much plodding along? It kind of depends on on which vertical you're talking about. Okay. Um, certain certain uh Certain retailers are, are ahead of the curve there, mm-hmm. um, and certain manufacturers and, and, and uh, processors are ahead of the curve. But overall, the, the acceptance is that that's where it's going to be moving to. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, so I also going to have to pretty much get with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, Visa and I believe MasterCard too have mandated that all new terminal deployments in the U.S. support contactless uh, by 2020, right? Yeah, most of the newer, um, most of the newer deployments are going to have that. It's really on on the processor to get that integrated in there. So it's really yeah. going to be driven by the end users. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey Jamie, let me. Uh, one thing I wanted to do is just I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper to your to your business model. And again, uh, forgive me if I, these questions sure. might sound a little elementary, but um, you know I know there's a lot of agents on the call and ISO executives that are kind of listening into this uh, podcast. So so help me understand here. So. You know, are you guys basically like an IT services provider? So, like, if I'm an ISO and we're doing 40 deals a month right now, 12 to 15 of them want a Clover or they want a Micros or they want a Loha or I don't know, whatever. They want a point of sale system, you know, uh, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, would, would, would that ISO contract with you guys and pay you, like, 
per installation or an hourly rate or something so that, you know, you would help with that installation process of the point of sale systems? Like, is that what you guys do? Um, there's lots of different ways we could set it up. But if you're if you're an agent or an ISO and, and you know you're going to be selling 40 deals a month, you don't want to have a huge warehouse where you keep all your equipment, of course. right? Right. So what you can do with us is you can have what we call a customer-owned warehouse. So we'll, we'll warehouse equipment allocated just for you. Either you purchase it from us and we'll put it in your warehouse, or you can send us equipment you already own and we'll warehouse it for you also. Okay. So you go out and you'll 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 sign a deal and you want to get you know a mobile terminal programmed and sent out. So you'll set up the process for that. Um, we can either set up um, – we're, we're working on a new uh, ERP system for us. So if okay. you have a, an advanced ERP system also, you can even – our systems can interconnect with each other. Sure. So you can place a, a PO in your system. It will automatically come over to me as a, as, a, as a sales order, and we can go ahead and do the deployment process for you. And, like, um, do, do we're you guys, specifically – right. I'm sorry. Do you guys have, like, a good mix of kind of, like – large companies and small or are you primarily focused on like the larger companies that are doing you know whatever 50 100 plus deals a month we have a good mix of everything that's great Uh, the the agent that does one deal a year to um everything up to the you know the major processors so that was that was gonna be my next question so even if i'm even if like an individual agent is listening right now and they do you know eight ten deals a month and two or three of them are point of sale and, and i bring this up because you know, like uh, Patty mentioned, I mean, this is the first interview we've done like this in our in our year here on, right. on the show. And, I mean, this is an enormous pain point. I mean, because it's funny, like you said, you know, the days of selling the VX520s or whatever are, are coming to an end. Well, they're really not, of course, as you know. I mean, most agents I talk to, 90% of what they sell is individual terminals. So the people that get the point-of-sale systems, they stick. They don't right. switch. So all the yeah, sales exactly. are basically, the yeah, they're just churning the same people over and over. So the idea is... The salespeople want to sell this high technology stuff, but they're terrified of getting stuck with the installation and losing a week when they could be going and making more sales. They can't afford to give up that time. So it sounds like you guys would be a really good company to stand in the gap, even for an individual agent that gets that, you know, mm-hmm. two, three deals a month where they need help. Exactly. Okay. We help fill in the gap. Great. Cool. Where, where you don't want to inventory, you don't want to deal with the logistics of, of getting them set up, you don't want to deal with the logistics of shipping, you don't want to deal with logistics of of, oh, my, my merchant went down on a Thursday afternoon. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, you purchased our overnight replacement warranty. We'll have right. you back and up and running the next day. So sure. we, we fill in the gaps to where they can they play to their strengths and we play to our strengths. And, and in terms of, just not to interrupt, but I mean, in terms of the actual arrangements, you know, the, the relationship with the ISO or the agent, is there some sort of uh, pricing, you know, uh, mechanism that uh, you know rewards greater size and you know you know what I'm saying. I mean, is this a? Do we get bulk discounts? Oh, Are you getting um, bulk yeah. discounts versus is it going to be really expensive if I'm only signing one merchant a month to actually pay to have that done? Correct. We're always pretty transparent with our customers, and they're always uh, uh, they'll have an assigned sales executive. Okay. Um, cool. that, that's in our office. Uh huh. And if uh, we see that that their volume is picking up, we'll always say, hey, you know. Uh, we want to help foster your relationship with us, and sure, sure, and uh, we'll we'll price it accordingly. Um, we're pretty, pretty. That's why a lot of companies like working with us. Uh, we're pretty candid and pretty honest with everybody. Um, we're not trying to, you know, nickel and dime people. We want to be, you know, honest, honest pay, uh, honest days work for honest days pay. You know what I mean? Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. One one last question I have, and then I'll kick it back over to Patty here. But um, just to dive a little bit deeper into this, the 
the selection of equipment. So you've mentioned a couple different options. You know, you can go buy a terminal and just send it to you guys, whatever. But I mean, I'm assuming, especially for the individual agent, I mean, to make this simple, they're going to want to have kind of one provider. So they're going to want to buy their POS systems from you guys. You know, you ship them out, mm-hmm. you install them, et cetera. So do you have a pretty good, like, kind of uh, assortment of, right. you know, here are yeah. the 15 different POS systems that we support or something like that? Or how, how does that work? For POS, it's kind of limited. Um, for for uh, countertop, mobile, and that kind of stuff, we offer everything from pretty much every manufacturer, Ingenico, Verifone, Pax, uh, anything in, sure. in their whole product catalog. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so you so guys still, so you guys work. definitely still are servicing these agents that are selling the individual countertop terminals. Correct. I mean, yeah, so that's exactly a big part of the business. But then, as far as the, you know, somebody that you know, because again, I think the the big pain point. I mean, for especially again, I'm thinking of an individual agent or even a small ISO. I mean, frankly, you know, usually they're farther up the chain that decision is made as far as you know they'll send out the the terminal and get it installed if it's a vx520 or an ingenico or whatever you know the real issue is that the merchant wants like you mentioned they want a solution and those solutions are just really really hard to you know to install so how would they do that like if i was like okay i want to go sell pizza shops and i found this really cool pos system for pizza shops and i want to sell that but i want to get help how would i go about you know, creating that relationship with you guys to help with that? Well, first starts with the hardware. You have to make sure you're using a hardware that's capable of running the software you want to run. Um, Of course, we're going to always try to recommend the software we're familiar with. Um, If it's not a software we're familiar with, we'll um, then team up with the uh, software provider of your choice to hopefully get that accomplished for you. Um, As I said, um, we're open to to everything. Um, We do have our, our, our... chosen solutions that we're going to um, say is the best option. Of course. Um, of course, but we're sure. not going to turn down anybody. We're here to help uh, the industry as a whole sure. uh, to get uh, what they need. Okay. Well, well so, so really interesting. Yeah, so if a new system, new POS system comes along, that just uh, gets added to your repertoire. Pretty much, yeah. I'll have the, I'll have the staff get trained on it, and um, hopefully uh, the agent's busy enough to uh, warrant, you know, me having a dedicated staff for them. Sure, sure. <laughs> right, right. That, right. Well, of course, that's always the trade-off. Obviously, if it's a individual agent, you know, they, they may get it more firmly directed to your chosen solution rather than if I'm a ISO doing, you know, 200, 300 deals a month and I'm like, hey, we want to sell this yeah, new solution, obviously you're going to be more prone to, to work with them on that. So. Sure, right. Okay, those are all the questions I had. That makes sense yeah, to me. You so. actually hit my other question. Oh, did so. I? know? Uh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that's why we work together so yeah, well, James. Yeah. So, yep. Well, well, Jamie, this has really, really been very enlightening. So, uh, what, how would uh, you know? We have a lot of ISOs and agents out there uh, listening today. If they were interested in in working with you or learning more about uh, JR's POS Depot, where would you send them? I would send them right now to our website. Okay. Uh, we have a ordering website. It's uh, www.jrorders.com. Okay. It has a lot of different uh, solutions that are currently on there, and our uh, as I said, we try to be transparent. Our pricing is on there, but if you uh, if you log in, uh, set up an account, we'll always uh, work out special pricing for any customers that, that need anything, um, stuff along those lines. And if they don't see a product or service that's available on the website, they could always call us directly, um, 877-999-7374. Okay. And uh, follow the prompts for sales, and uh, you'll talk to one of our knowledgeable sales executives that will uh, – 
hopefully come up with a solution that meets everybody's needs. Awesome. Well, this is great. I'm really, I'm really glad we uh, got a chance to talk with you. I, you know, this is an interesting. We, like I said, we Very talk a lot with ISOs and agents, and uh, this is uh, just some added uh, info that I think uh, will prove really useful to our listeners. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by GreenSheet.com, a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The GreenSheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere. Okay, folks, today I'd like to talk about contactless payments and why I believe they may be poised for takeoff. At least initially, though, it's going to be a card thing. Five years ago, when Apple Pay burst onto the scene, Many saw it as an opening for contactless mobile payments, but we haven't really seen a lot of movement in that direction. And one reason, as we discussed uh, in our interview with, with Jamie, is that you know there haven't been enough POS devices programmed to support near-field communications, right. which is the underlying technology. Right. In uh, 2017, uh, for example, better than 80% of the POS terminals shipped were NFC-ready. But only 30% of terminals in the market had the NFC feature turned on. According to one research report I came across, contactless card payments became feasible with the introduction of EMV security. The chips that support EMV can also be programmed to support NFC. Ditto for EMV-compliant terminals. And while not all EMV cards and terminals have been programmed that way, this is beginning to change. Visa claims that upwards of 100 million Visa-branded contactless cards will be in the wallets of Americans by the end of uh, this year, 300 million by the end of uh, 2020. And Chase, you know, which is a big card issuer, has already issued about 20 million contactless cards. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. And uh, one of the reasons for that is that uh, Chase just started a contactless card program with the Metropolitan Transit Authority of New York. Oh, okay. So instead of using your, your, um, you know, your fare card, right? You can just take your Chase credit card, tap it on oh, the nice. turnstile, and go through. Okay. So, so Visa is working with Chase on that, and uh, Visa also. Uh, claims that 70 of the top 100 merchants ne- can now support contactless payments. Okay, so I came across a survey by Oriema Research, and I thought this was interesting, that that uh, consumers seem to like the idea of using their um, credit and debit cards for tap-and-go, which is what contactless is, right. uh, payments, instead of their phones. 59% of contactless cardholders surveyed reported using those cards to make payments, compared to just 33% of folks with payment-enabled smartphones. But here's the big news. Um, Visa, and as I just talked about, Visa, MasterCard, and Chase are working with the MTA in New York for the subway system as well as the bus system. And Visa, when it was announcing, and announced this, I believe it was in May, in, in announcing the work in New York, Offered had some really interesting statistics. Now, I have to admit, I live in the country. I haven't done the subway thing. You know, maybe I do it twice a year when yeah. I'm in D.C. or New yeah, York, you know. Sure. So I found these statistics really interesting. More than two-thirds of mass transit riders have missed a train while waiting online to reload a transit card. Wow. Uh, 83% reported having trouble getting their transit cards to work at turnstiles. Yeah, I've had that. Yeah, I've had a lot of that myself, but um, a few times. But here's the really interesting statistic. 66% 
have left or forgotten funds on a transit card at an average loss of $35. Wow. That's a lot. Now, I have to admit, I have, you know, some New York and some D.C. transit cards in my wallet or my desk drawer probably. But I don't think I ever leave more than about 50 cents on them, you know? Right, right. Well, I guess for people that are doing a lot of travel. But if you're doing a lot of travel, if you're doing a lot of mass transit. you live there and you're always commuting. Right, you're always commuting. You know, and New York isn't the first city to embrace contactless cards in mass transit. MasterCard says it's been working with transit agencies in about a dozen cities to support payments using both open-loop contactless cards, like a Chase card, right? Or these closed-loop cards that are issued by the transit agencies. Okay. Um, And these cities include Boston, Los Angeles, and Denver. Contactless cards use near-field communications to communicate with POS terminals or to mass transit applications with fare card machines and turnstiles. Uh, It basically works the same way as a a mobile device payment. But the big question that seems to be on the minds of many is, will an uptick in contactless card usage have spillover effect and drive mobile payments? And, you know, I think that this is still open for question, but, you know, convenience counts for a lot with consumers. And then as more consumers use contactless cards, that convenience probably will have some spillover to mobile, you know? Yeah. I mean, people who use mass transit use it a lot, you know, yeah. typically at least 10 times a week. I'm sure in right. cities like New York, it's even more than that. Right. Uh, you know, and, and then once consumers become accustomed to tapping their cards to quickly gain entry to a subway station or a bus, you know, tapping that same card as a way to pay for your cup of coffee on the way to the subway. Yeah. Seems like second nature, right? Yeah. So here's a, I, a the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of Boston um, just did a report on, on mobile and contactless. Okay. And uh, this was its conclusion, which I thought was very interesting. It, it wrote, quote, It is clear that the U.S. is on the way to supporting both card and mobile contactless payments, motivated by the completion of EMB migration to chip cards and a solid NFC mobile payment foundation, which should accelerate the path to mass adoption in the U.S. Huh. So, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it is interesting. And I, I just, it just seems so logical to me, you know. I mean, I'm sort of like one of those people. I'm old school, you know. I like using cards. I use yeah. like using cash. But I got to tell you, if I could just tap my card. Yeah, it makes a big difference. And I mean, especially now with uh, EMV where you have to insert it and then leave it inserted. And then it's kind of a pain. Oh, and, and it's not only that, but it's like, I, you know, I've been going, I stopped at an ATM. I stopped at an ATM on the way here. And every ATM now with EMV is a little bit different. Some yeah. you have to stick the card in, pull the card out, then stick the card in. back in again. Yeah. Others, you got to stick it in and leave it in there, and right. you don't get your cash until you pull the card out. Right. You know, I mean, it's like those kind of things. And see, are the just other thing, too, it, to me, it really kind of also feeds into, like, one of the things I believe about the uh, mobile payments as far as your phone mm-hmm. is that, you know, it's people keep talking about it like it's this inevitable thing, and, and I'm sure it is to some degree, but I think f- the smartphones have been designed to be these elegant uh fragile looking things right and, you know one of the things people don't talk about very much is like i've been on the new york subway i'm never gonna pull my phone out and tap it on one of those nasty no way. things no way like seriously i'd be afraid i would crack my screen or something exactly. on the metal. and especially as expensive as smartphones right. are these days like so sometimes it's like and even when you're at the counter 
you know, when you think about it, it's kind of an awkward, like, where do you put your thumb and everything in mm-hmm. order to... So that you don't mess it up, right? Yeah, like, otherwise you're going to tap the wrong button and you're going to exit something when you're trying to tap. It's not right. very convenient if you ever tried to actually pay with your phone. It's it's not super convenient because right. phones haven't been made really for that purpose. They've been made for the purpose of having a really nice, big, viewable display right? that looks really nice when you're watching a YouTube video. It's not really designed to to tap on another hardware device. And, you know, I, I, I admit I have an old smartphone. I'm probably like a Samsung 4 or 5 or something yeah. like that. But it drives me crazy when I open up my phone yeah. and my thumb slips on something. Right. Suddenly I'm on the web. I don't want to be on the web. Right. I wanted right. to get my payment app up, right? Right. And that's, you know, when you when you pull the payment app up, it's, I don't know. I And so I think I think you're on the right track with that because I think that the, the cards... You know, I do. I do definitely believe that at some point somebody's going to solve the mobile payments thing with the phone. Oh yeah, no I think doubt, so. Eventually, right? right? But, but they haven't quite yet. They haven't. And you know, so. a friend of mine, when we were talking about these, the idea of mobile payments and everything, you know, he pointed out to me, you know, by the time I get the phone out, pull right. up the payment app. I could have grabbed my. I'm so used to pulling my wallet out, right, and pulling my card out. It's a much faster, yeah, process. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. be kind of cool to see how things turn out, though. Yeah, I think, you know, it's going to take time, but I do think that the contactless cards is probably a much okay. better way to go for it's the time being. Road, so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Patty. Good stuff. Sure. Thank you. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. So I had a really interesting consulting session uh, yesterday with uh, actually an ISV that uh, you know has an inside sales team and they've added merchant services to their service offerings. You know, in okay. the past they were. Um, you know, just referring them just without technology yeah. and referring, right? And so, you know, in the in the uh, course of just talking to them, it really just reminded me of the importance of what I call the two levers in sales. The two levers, two levers, okay. in sales that you can pull on. Um, the first lever is qualified contacts. The second lever is closing percentage. And you know, it's funny because when I do consulting, one of I think one of the most important jobs for a consultant is to simplify. Sure. So, you know, you have this conversation and you have people are talking about, well, you know, what if we did this? What if we did that? What if, you know, and all these. And it's like, well, hold on a second. You know, there's only two things you can do if you're an individual agent or you manage a team or you own a processing company. There are only two things. You only have two levers you can pull on if mm-hmm. you want to make more sales. Right. Lever number one is more contacts. Right. Lever number two is a higher closing percentage. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it that way, it's usually a lot easier to identify which of those two you need to work on. Sure. So my challenge to you today is if you're involved in merchant sales in any way, whether, again, sales manager, individual agent, whatever it is, ask yourself the question, 
which of these two, if I could improve, if I could pull one of these two lovers right now, right. which one do I think is more potential for me to pull right now? And they go back and forth. You'll pull on the contacts lever for a while and really encourage people to take action. In our industry, the contacts lever is almost always the big one because everybody's independent. They're not accountable. Um, you know, they're they're not usually working incredibly hard. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's where you say, hey, you know what? We got a special bonus where... You know, if you can show us proof that you walked into 400 businesses this month, you know, you're going to get a $300 bonus nice. or whatever it is, right, right? Right, Push the contacts. Like, they need to make qualified contacts. Contacts, right. Um, and they're going to do that by taking more action, working harder, working more hours. Um, and the second one is the closing percentage. And this one usually gets ignored entirely in our industry. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I mean... I, I deal with literally like, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure I've personally spoken with 35% of every ISO that exists. You know, I've spoken with somebody in management there. Sure. And I'm just amazed that, I mean, nobody in our industry seems to really take sales training seriously. Yeah, yeah. It's I crazy. Know, right? They really don't. I mean, it's like some of them take training For an industry seriously. that's so, in, you know, so yeah. focused on sales. It's sales. You know what I mean? And it's like when you talk to people in the real estate industry or the insurance industry, it's like, yeah, I was at, you know, Brian Tracy's event last week and the next month we're going to Tom Hopkins and then we went over to Grant Cardone and we're, you right, know what I mean? Right. It's like sales, sales, sales. And then our industry, it's like, what sales training events have you taken your team to? Oh, well, they're all independent. Okay. What audio programs have you sent out? Right. You know, well, we tell them to go watch your YouTube channel. <laughs> you know, it's like, well. Well, thanks, but. Yeah, it's like, okay. But I mean, really, like, sales training. Like, are you reading sales books if you're an individual agent? You know, um, if you're a sales manager, when's the last time that you actually had somebody come in and train your salespeople mm -hmm. on not just merchant services. Right. But how to sell. Right. Because. There's a huge opportunity in closing percentage. So let me give you one last number, and then I'll, I'll let you go here. So this is the number you got to look at when we're talking about closing percentage. In sales, it doesn't matter what you sell. There is what's called the one-third to two-thirds rule. Okay? Okay. So if you are accurately identifying your qualified contacts, uh -huh. then the sales rep who is like not a good sales rep is going to close one out of three. Okay. And your top producer is going to close two out of three. That's what you have to work with. Now, that may not seem like a big difference, but it's an enormous shift. But a huge shift. difference if you're huge. talking about 100 people. Yeah, you make 100 contacts, one-third versus two-thirds right. is 30 versus 60. Right. You know, it's a big yeah, difference. big difference. So what you have to do is work with your team to get them to understand what is a qualified contact in the first place. Yeah, sure. And then ask yourself the question, if we could go from closing one out of three to two out of three, mm -hmm. what, what is that worth? And then make some investments in your people. Get them sales audio programs. Get them sales training. Like right. Motivate them to learn how to sell better because if they learn how to close at a higher rate, you would make a lot more money. Yeah, for sure. So up there you go. Your two lovers are contacts and closing rate. It's always the same. Doesn't matter what you're selling. You can increase those two and pull on those two lovers to make a big difference. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.